0: The world is a world of miracles and wonders. But what happens when some of those wonders kind of suck? And then we take a look at a truly cursed film. Is it possible that just viewing End of the Wicked will make you go out and murder a child? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun. You're like, dude, we you're about to talk about a movie that may make me murder a kid. I'm having the opposite of fun. Ah, slap me on the back. <laughs> slap me on the back. Come on, man, you're going to have tons of fun this episode. You're super scared. You're afraid I'm going to break out a movie projector. Bringing in Movie Projector right now is our newest Patreon supporter. He's in the pouch of a kangaroo as well, because you know you gotta have a gimmick. It's Az. He's pushing in. Oh, he's pushing in a movie projector while he's in this kangaroo's pouch. It's a comical thing to see. Az, you're gonna be our captain or our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you don't live in the embryonic fluid of a marsupial, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. So AZ sets up that film projector. You're like, no, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. We'll watch the movie later. I know how much you guys want to watch the movie. First off, AZ, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit dirigible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed out to a haunted house. The reason why we're headed out to this haunted house is because I recently found an article in one of my favorite websites, Backpackerverse paranormal cutting-edge paranormal website long time dead rabbit radio listeners know i've gotten a lot of good stories from backpacker verse and 99 of their website is nonsense it's absolute fiction they stopped writing like that so it's not as fun to go back to but it still has a place in my heart i still check it out every once in a while they actually recently had this article called 17 psychic abilities you can tap into and how to develop them so we're in this haunted house we got little ghost girls running around, rocking chairs, rocking by themselves, squeaky door, crow on the roof, stereotypical haunted house stuff. Because we want to see if we can actually use our new psychic abilities to perceive the world around us. Now you're thinking, Jason, couldn't we have just done this in a non-haunted house? Couldn't we have done this where there's not a creepy girl in the corner just pointing at us and saying, you're next? We could have, but it wouldn't be as dynamic. This list starts off with some pretty basic psychic powers I think everyone knows about. Astral projection, that's a big one. Everyone wants to be able to do that. It's it's basically like running away. Your, your significant others just droning on about something they find incredibly interesting that you could care less about the bills. They're like, we're going to lose the house, George. If you don't pay the bills, we're going to lose the house. And you're just sitting on the couch and your is all, dude, it's floating away. Astral projection would be the best, right? Aura reading, being able to read people's auras, obviously what it says, the energy around them. You can tell, like, if they have good intentions or bad intentions, happy or sad, which sometimes you can just tell that by if they have the knife, they're coming after you. This is a sad man who's evil. But aura reading would be fairly useful as well. Automatic writing, letting the spirits write through you. You can get hidden knowledge. Clairvoyance, right? Being able to see the future, that would be obviously beneficial. But these are all pretty standard things, telekinesis, telepathy. And you're thinking, wow, Jason, this article is telling us how to develop these things. Well, it just says find a quiet room and meditate and pretend, pretend you're doing these things. And it's pretty basic stuff. We're not covering this article so much so we can develop these talents. We're covering this article because there's some superpowers, quote unquote superpowers, I should say, that I've never heard of before. Imagine if you got this. Your buddy can astrally project. Your boss is able to read your aura. So, like, whenever you're like, uh, I'm calling in sick, he's like, Mm-mm, You don't have that purple aura. Your aura is nice and orange. Claire scent. Claire scent is the ability to smell aromas from the other side. This is a tricky one because, on the one hand, you have a lot of ghost encounters where people say, My grandpa always used to smoke cigars, he passed away. Now, every so often when I'm sitting in his favorite chair or I'm at home, I smell cigar. We actually covered that on a recent episode. I don't remember which one it was, but I was wondering why it's, all, it's always, whenever scents are tied to the dead or ghosts, it's tied to cigars, cigarettes, flowers, or perfume. Those are the, no one's ever like, oh, I was sitting at home and I smelled my grandmother's lasagna. I smelled every layer of cheese in her delicious lasagna. mm 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 it's always one of those 4 cents so i don't know why it's those 4 and it's interesting to note too is as less and less people smoke no one in my family smokes anymore none of them so my but my grandpa's did and my grandma's did so i would associate you know the smell of newports with my great grandma or the smell of pipe tobacco with my grandfather And so it's interesting to think, like, as people stop smoking, that leaves less communication between them. But is it also something as simple as those smells permeating the environment? When you sit down in the chair, it releases a little bit of those molecules. I don't know, because sometimes there in hospitals, people will smell the mother's perfume or they'll smell roses. It's an interesting thing, but it's always one of those four smells. That's fairly common, so does that mean those people are clairscent? Does that mean those people all have that ability? Well... The smell is tied very closely to memories as well, so maybe it's the memory triggering the smell or the smell triggering the memory. But scent would be something even beyond that, where you could sit in a house and you go, a murder happened here. The man man was passing gas. He was very gassy. He just ate some Taco Bell. And then some other dude crawled into the house and he had just stepped in Taco Bell he just stepped in dog poop outside and the cops are like looking around they're like oh gads! look at there is dog poop on the windowsill so you can smell into the past you can smell into the future you could be standing you could be standing in the parking lot and you go someone's going to throw someone's going to throw up here it's 2am outside of a bar you're like right here some sorority girl is going to stumble out and land on her knees and scrape them up and vomit and forget the entire thing by the time she gets home But that will happen. You can smell into the past. You can smell into the future. You can smell other dimensions. You could smell sulfur, like a demonic smell. You could smell angels, which I don't know what an angel would smell like. You would think maybe it would smell like Like baby powder? That's how I imagine angels would smell like. But consider angels are like these celestial beings that have like 18 arms and 1,500 eyeballs. They probably don't smell like baby powder. They probably smell like scorched star. They probably smell like the edge of a black hole. For scent, they actually list how to master your smell power. It says, When seeking to make contact with a beloved relative who has crossed over to the other side, light a candle in their honor, And meditate on the flame as you think about them. You're sitting there in the darkness and you're like, Grandma, Grandma, smell to me. Grandma, make that Grandma smell come across the borders. Permeate permeate between life and death with that musty smell that your nightgown always had as you walked past me when I was in the living room. Oh, Grandma, may I smell you once more? If you're going through this trouble... Just get a Ouija board, right? If you're going through this trouble, if you're holding a ritual to smell your loved one one last time, why not just do the same ritual but be like, hey, dude, can we talk? Can you like, can I try that automatic writing thing? Why would I want to, if I had the ability to contact you, why would I choose smell? Why would I just give me a sign? I just want to smell you one last time. They also say that the Claire scent has a unique ability that it can protect you sense one of those psychic abilities that can protect you. What you do is, before you go into a dangerous situation, smell something that reminds you of protection. They give the example of, like, sandalwood or frankincense or myrrh. I recommend smelling a nice, oiled handgun. Just, ah, yes, that's the smell. That's the smell of a well-maintained weapon. And then just leave it there. Just leave it at home and walk. You walk out into the war zone that surrounds your place. Nothing will hurt you because you smell like a gun. You've smelled like a gun, and you've created this this bubble around you. Although you you may also just want to bring back up, bring the gun with you. Okay, so that is Claire scent. Claire scent. There is one more. If you thought that was useless uh, before we get to the movie <laughs> that will make you murder children. If you thought that one was useless, we have another one that makes Claire scent seem to be. A superpower on the level of Superman's heat vision. Claire Gustance. Claire Gustance. It's the ability to taste from beyond, from beyond the dimensions. You can taste things that aren't there. Grandma, I know it's been a long time since I sucked on your fingers. Oh, Grandma. Grandma, please stick your finger in my... um why, why, would they? okay, here's the thing. One, I don't believe that's an actual power. I found that listed on, t- both of these are listed on several websites. These just aren't on Backpackerverse. I can't believe, one, that people can actually taste from beyond the grave. Two, if you did, if you did, why would you admit it? Why would you say, like, you're sitting around a bunch of people and they're like, I can see into the past, and the other person goes, I can see into the future, and you go, I can taste ghosts. You'd be like, how did you figure that out? First off, how do they taste? Are they minty fresh? Do they taste like decaying corpses? You're like, oh yeah, they're all decaying corpses. They're all absolutely disgusting. You can also taste like Claire scent. You can taste angels. You can taste demons. Why would you want to? Be- why would you even want to? That's the only power you have, though. I guess you got to run with it. One woman said, I actually found an account. This is why this power would be the worst power ever I keep using the word power this would be a curse one woman says that when she meets somebody who doesn't take care of their teeth someone who is not performing proper dental hygiene in her own mouth so you're walking down the street I mean imagine, nobody brushes their teeth as much as they should right <laughs> right my mom does three times a day she's the only person I know of who does three times a day this woman she has Claire Gustens. she's walking down the street if she meets someone who doesn't take proper care of their teeth in her own mouth, she can taste yeast or plaque. That's what she tastes when she talks to someone who doesn't brush their teeth all the time. How could you exist in a world where you tasted everyone's mouth disease? You're just walking down the street and it's like yeast, plaque, yeast, yeast, plaque, plaque, yeast. You're just disgusting. Then there's this other woman who said that she, here, quote, Another client told me she always knows when her brother is having a good time in his life because she experiences the taste of oranges in her mouth. No sister should ever taste her brother's fun. Ever. And vice versa, by the way. No brother should ever taste his sister's fun, brother's and other brother's fun, sister's and cousin's fun. No, no, please don't. Imagine she's sitting at home. It's like 2 a.m. This guy <laughs> picked up some drunk sorority girl from this bar and she's sitting at home and she goes, mm, oranges. My, br- my brother must have got lucky tonight. Gross, bro. That's disgusting. Every time he's having a good time, he's like a super party guy. She's constantly tasting oranges. She's like, oh no, I'm allergic to oranges. Ugh. Gross. I would not want that power. I would rather have no power than that power. And I think everyone would agree with that. Okay, we've had a good time with these awesome powers here. AZ, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this haunted house. We're waving goodbye to all the ghosts. Taste you later, we say, as we're flying away. We are headed out to Nigeria. <laughs> We're headed to a movie theater in Nigeria. We got our popcorn. We got our tickets. We're sitting down. Sitting to our right is Abdullah. He actually recommended this. He's like, I don't want to be in this story. This story is terrifying. But Abdullah recommended the story to us. Thank you so much. y'all. He's all covering his face. He's trying to sneak out. He's like, dude, I want no part of this other than recommending it to you. No, you're stuck here. He recommended this story. Thank you so much for that. You guys can thank him as well at the end of this. He also recommended the Ant Kid story a while back, so that was awesome. And then, I also want to give a little tip of the hat to Splackatorius. He actually did some additional research on this story. Thank you, Splack. The movie starts. It's called End of the Wicked. And it's this really grainy, 1999, shot-on-camcorder horror movie. Well, horror movie might be a... There's a So there's a thing called Nollywood. So you have Bollywood in India, Hollywood in America. Nollywood is Nigerian film industry, and they actually put out the second most movies of any country, the number one being India. So Nollywood pumps out tons of movies, and they have a whole genre called Hallelujah films. They're Christian movies. But End of the Wicked actually borders more on a horror film. So we're sitting in this movie theater, and it's actually quite packed. There's a lot of people watching this movie, and some of them, this is their third, their fifth, their tenth time watching End of the Wicked. It starts off with Beelzebub sitting on his throne. It's actually like a chair in the middle of the woods. It's really, really cheap. It's a really, really cheap movie. And he's sitting there, and he's like, all of my witches gather together. We need to make more wickedness. He, show, don't tell. Whoever wrote this movie, show, don't tell. Show the wickedness. He goes into a lot of these monologues about how he wants to, you know, destroy the world, destroy mankind. And we're watching it. We're kind of rolling our eyes. We're kind of laughing at it. There's lines like this. Dance the seduction dance. The most sexy dance on earth. We're like, what? What? That's so dumb. But we notice everyone in the audience is terrified of this film. It's creepy. And the special effects exist in this realm. Yes, there are special effects in this Hallelujah film. The special effects exist in this realm where they're so cheap, they're disturbing. Like, there's a movie I watched a long time ago called The Gateway Flesh or The Gateway Meat. I think it's The Gateway Meat. It's actually on, like, the lost media or the forbidden media iceberg. I saw The Gateway Meat a long time ago, and it existed in the same realm. But you know what's funny is it existed in the same realm where it was so cheap it was disturbing. It also existed in the same realm, totally boring. Super boring. Gateway meet, super boring. End of the Wicked, super boring. I was bored through most of it. But I'm watching it in the comfort of my house. Fully aware that what is going on in this film is fictional and does not affect me in any sort of way. But it had a different impact in the country of Nigeria. This is the plot of the movie. There's a young father who's just trying to live his best life. And Bub's having none of it. Every time he goes to sleep, demons or witches are summoned upon him to curse him in one way or the other. (laughs) Actually, you basically like a sketch comedy show. It's like a sketch horror show. So he goes about his day, he's doing stuff, and then he falls asleep, and a bunch of kids fly out of their bodies, a lot of astral projection, and they eat his back. But because, because the special effects are so cheap, they... T- this is. We were watching this and I, I'm thinking, this is both dumb and creepy at the same time because the way it's shot is creepy. There's a bunch of kids. So The guy's laying on his back. And then a... You know those ready-made pans of Stouffer's lasagna that you can just buy at Safeway? It's like the best food ever. One of those appears on his back, and we're supposed, to pretend, <laughs> we're supposed to pretend those are his guts. But you can clearly see, like, the tin foil. You can clearly see. It's like they didn't just take handfuls of lasagna and throw them on his back. They took the whole tin. They took it right out of the oven. He's probably like, ah, it burns. They set it on his back, and then the kids run up, and they start eating the lasagna. And the camera lingers. It's like a static shot that the camera lings on for an uncomfortable amount of time. And then he wakes up with horrible back pain. And when I'm describing it to you, you're like, Jason, that's the least creepy thing I could ever think of. But again, it's just, it's unsettling. I, maybe creepy is not the right word. It's unsettling. And this is what Abdullah said when he sent it to me. He goes, the movie feels evil. So we have this like weird stuff that's like kind of funny, eating lasagna out of the tin. But when you watch it, when you're watching the ending credits, you still feel unsettled. The kids come back at another point. He's dreaming, and they remove his eyeballs. Now, this is a much more realistic special effect. They're, like, dangling from his eye sockets, and then they cut him, and they fall in a bowl. And I, I think they eat them. I think they- <laughs> they're really hungry children. The plate of lasagna was obviously just a plate of lasagna. The eyeballs, if you were a young kid, that's completely disturbing. So this kind of goes on and on throughout the movie. He keeps having these dreams... These witches are cursing him at night. His mother is one of these witches that are trying to get Beelzebub's favor, and she ends up getting a giant schlong. Like she's like, "Oh, give me this Beelzebub!" And there's this thing that's about as long as my leg, and as thick as my leg. It's massive. Comes out of this woman, and this isn't an anime. <laughs> this isn't an anime. This is a 1999 Nigerian Christian film, and then in her sleep or in the the mother rapes, sorry, this one from zero to 60 real quick. The mother rapes her daughter-in-law and gives her a miscarriage. Like she does it in the spirit realm. And then the daughter-in-law wakes up and her nightgown is all bloody. And the implication is she's lost the child. And this kind of goes on and on and on. There are all these different, but again, you're like, Jason, this movie sounds fantastic. It's boring. Like I'm, I'm kind of listing off the, I'm kind of listing off the ones that I remember. And then at the very ending, the Beazel Bub, the demon, spoiler alert, they decide to take out the man. The suffering is done. They've done everything they could can to the sky. They're not gonna let him live peacefully. There's a long shot of what I can only describe as the dullest machete in the world. I mean, I've not I don't have a lot of experience with wielding machetes. I do own one, but I've never tried doing this before. It is a close-up shot. You see the man suffering in bed, like he's having some sort of fit. And then they cut to a close-up of a goat being held down by three or four demons. And what I can only describe is the dullest machete slowly sawing the goat's head off. It's a real goat. And a real machete. So the movie ends with you watching, and the goat is looking right at the camera... And it's bleeding. Sorry, th- I, this, is, this is not going to be for 18 and under on YouTube. Very, very disturbing. This movie is actually available on YouTube. If, if, you, if you're like, Jason, I'm sold. It's very... I mean, you know, it's funny because killing animals is so normal in so many parts of the world. Everywhere. Any farming community. I could go 10 miles in any direction from where I live. People are like, oh, yeah, I kill chickens all the time. It's not a big deal. But do you, do you use a dull machete? And then you know that's not the end of the movie. Technically, uh, the good guys do win. I don't want I don't want you guys to have nightmares tonight. A woman, a very famous and very real minister named Helen Ucapabio, shows up. She's a real life, very very famous minister. She shows up and she realizes that the mother is the witch. After her son has been killed, after that ritual killed her son, they exercise the. Demon, from the woman, it's a Rottweiler, (laughs) just a clip art picture of a Rottweiler, kind of floats out of the woman and floats away. Movie ends. End of the Wicked. It was directed by Teko Benson, which that name didn't really ring a bell for me, but he's actually one of Nigeria's biggest filmmakers. He's won a lot of awards. Very, very famous, accomplished filmmaker. Anne Helen is a very, very powerful minister in the evangelical Christian movement in Nigeria. And she's the leader of the Liberty Foundation Gospel Ministries. Why is it a cursed film, like I said in the intro? It definitely has the hallmarks of what we think of a cursed film. It looks grim, like it looks gritty. Normally, when you don't think of cursed films, you don't think of Tenet. You don't think of 1917. You don't think of these beautifully shot. They're usually really grimy. They seem to be shot on camcorder. They're infused with some sort of dark energy, and simply watching them makes you feel uneasy at best, and at worst, haunts you, possesses you, makes you do evil things. So how is End of the Wicked a cursed movie? This movie, and I kind of gave it away in the beginning, in the intro, this movie is suspected to have led to the deaths of countless children. We're talking thousands upon thousands of children in Nigeria, specifically the Aqua Ibom State. It's rural, it's a rural community, and it has the worst combination. It's religious and superstitious. I guess you can't really be a superstitious atheist, but when you have people who are very devout in their religion and also take any sort of misfortune as a sign of the war between heaven and hell, it's a bad combination. We see that in every culture. We've seen that across time. From the witch trials to this. People watch this movie and kill Children. What is going on is that people in the Aqua I bomb state, when a misfortune befalls them, they lose a job, they don't catch as much fish, the harvest is bad, someone dies, someone falls sick, a witch did it, a wizard did it. There's some sort of external force cursing them. And how do you get rid of an external force like the devil? Well, you can kick them out of your village, you can kill them. Or you can try to do an exorcism. Those are the only three ways. You can't suffer a witch to live. Like the Bible saying goes. Do not suffer a witch to live. So they take that to heart. They can send them out, kill them, or try to exorcise them. Now what's going on right now is they're targeting children as witches and wizards. I knew that going into the movie. I knew that this movie has been connected to the murders of thousands of children. Then when I was watching it, I actually didn't see that many kids in the movie, and I, that kind of left me puzzled. So let's dig into this a little bit more and see why this particular movie is connected to the murder of children. The first theory is that because Helen Uckpabio is behind it. Helen, by her biography that was listed online, said that At age 14, she was initiated into a satanic cult herself. She was groomed to be Lucifer's bride. But she broke free. Now she speaks the truth. She is the one who can tell you what is going on in the spiritual world. So she herself, as a child, was targeted by the forces of Satan. There is the famous scene of the kids eating lasagna and the kids eating the eyeballs. But the main antagonist in the movie is the mother. So she, in this movie, does not specifically say that children are the leading cause of witchcraft. And in real life, Helen has a defense against this because she gets accused of these uh, child murders. She gets accused of inflaming the flames of hatred towards children. Helen, for her defense, says, listen, the movie was never intended to be a real story. It wasn't supposed to be a true story. It is a story of what could happen. It's a story of salvation and fighting the devil. She said, this movie is not supposed to be a real story. And accusing me of crimes that this movie inspires would be the same thing as accusing J.K. Rowling for writing Harry Potter and bad stuff being inspired by those books. She goes, at no part in that movie did I say it's okay to kill children. And that's true. That's true. Children actually play a pretty small part in the movie outside of eating a couple body parts. However... Another thing people hold Helen accountable for is she wrote this book called Unveiling the Mysteries of Witchcraft. And in this book it says, quote, If a child under the age of two screams in the night, cries, and is always feverish with deteriorating health, he or she is a servant of Satan. So whether or not the movie is inspiring this stuff, people are inspiring the belief that children can be servants of Satan. Satan. And whether or not End of the Wicked specifically does it, we have seen a switchover. It used to be that the elderly was accused of witchcraft. Even in this movie, it's the mother who's accused of witchcraft. But now we have the switchover where it's children. There's a British documentary that you can watch. (laughs) You may not want to. I'll put it in the show notes if you want to ruin your day. It's called Saving Africa's Witch Children. And it documents the lives of children who have been accused of witchcraft, the ones that are still alive. There's a group called the Child Rights and Rehabilitation Network. They have this little village that they've set up. They've taken 10 children a week that have been accused of witchcraft. A lot of them are horribly injured. I'm not going to go through the injuries. If you watch the documentary, though, be prepared to see several horrible injuries of these children ages... 10 and under, and quite a few of them. There's quite a few shots of dead dead children as well. At one point in the documentary, some workers of the Child Rights and Rehabilitation Network want to bring a little girl back to her village and convince these people that she is not a witch. And when they show up, a man says, you can leave her here, but I will kill her. She's a witch and I'll kill her. If you leave her here, she's dead. So get her out of here. I will kill her tonight. I and mean, they just show this little girl crying. It's basically 45 minutes of that type of stuff. It's a real issue over there, and it's absolutely tragic. The movie itself may be cursed. And this is, this is what I mean when I keep saying the word cursed. When we talk about cursed, it has some sort of dark energy on it. I actually, outside of Helen's book, outside of Helen's book where she says children could be witches if they cry, I mean, they always cry, right? The movie itself doesn't make children the main adversary. The main adversary is the mother and then Beelzebub. The children play a part. I honestly don't think she intended the movie. When she says the movie's fake and you can't hold me accountable for it, I honestly think that she means that. I'll agree with her on that. But it could be, this is where we get to the cursed movie thing, that in the course of making this movie, Whether or not the intentions were pure, it became infused with dark energy. The film became possessed. Because when you do watch it, it is boring, but something's off about it. Something's not right. And you just kind of get that sense of uneasiness when you're watching it. And I'm wondering if, Conspiracy Cap Foley on, while they were filming that movie, there was something working in the background that became part of the film itself. So, when you watch it, it's not just a story about Christian redemption and beating back the powers of the devil. It's about that child your neighbor is holding is the devil. You have to kill it. In this Dispatches documentary, it's interesting. They'll be at a church service, and a minister will come out and say, your son's possessed by Satan. Your son's a servant of Satan. And then there's this 12-year-old boy just standing there, and he's like, what, like, he's not, right? And the mom's like, no, he's a good boy. And the the minister's like, no, that boy is possessed by Satan. You got to take care of it. And the film crew goes, we don't know what happened to that kid. And this happens all the time. Kids are just getting accused of witchcraft. And I keep saying they get pushed out of the village, which is a death sentence for an 8-year-old. They get killed, which is a death sentence, or the exorcisms. That cost like $120. And the, most people in that state in Nigeria make a dollar a day. So you have parents selling off all of their belongings so they can get their child exorcised. And even then, sometimes the guy collects the money and goes, sorry, I couldn't do it. And they still have to get rid of the kid. So you have murders and you have scams going on as well. And you have families being torn apart. And you have this entire culture of it. The government of Nigeria cracks down on this stuff. But that state, the local local authorities are like, we'll try. The governor of that state is like, we're doing our best. But you go to an area and they're like, we're not going to talk to the police. And the police are like, we can't tell whose kids this was. We can't track down the parents. This kid was abandoned walking down the street of this other village. And they don't want him because they know if this eight-year-old walks into their village, it's obviously a witch. The authorities show up at this one town and they're like, we don't know whose kids those are. Go away. They're not from here. So it's, you have the national government and you have the state government trying to work on this. But in the dead of night, children are still being killed. When I was watching this movie, when I was watching this documentary, when I was researching this, I thought, this is one of those stories when you look at the battle between heaven and hell, that the Christians are kind of the bad guys, right? In this story, the people who say that they're Christian, that they believe in Christ, they're the ones murdering children. Because someone else says, oh, the water went bad. My grandma got sick. It must be that little girl. So they chop her up or burn her, bury her alive, all sorts of things that goes on. And it's funny, I was reading that and I go, this is one of those stories where in the battle between the Christians and the forces of darkness... The Christians are in the wrong. The Child Rights and Rehabilitation Network have that little village where they've taken 10 kids a week who have been abandoned by their families. I imagine one day a little kid's going to show up there, a little 12-year-old girl, accused of witchcraft, exiled from her village. She walked all the way to the Child Rights and Rehabilitation Network facility. She was branded a witch, She quickly becomes friends with the other children. They've all suffered the same things. Abandonment by the people who should love them the most. But there's one thing that makes this little girl different than all the other children at the facility. She's a real witch. She knows things. She has powers that most people can't even comprehend. And she can teach those powers at night when the loving guardians of the Child Rights and Rehabilitation Network go to sleep, and the children are in their bunks, this young girl teaches her classmates simple tricks. And as time goes on, children filter in and out of the facility, but this girl stays. No one wants her. But she wants to stay. And these children keep learning from her. Until soon... She has an army of children who were discarded by society. A religion that was based around love and redemption threw them away like so much trash. So they've turned to another master. They've turned to learn the dark arts. When villages and cities that dot the state of Aqua Ibom begin to suffer horrible diseases, mysterious fires, waves of homicidal violence. No one will really know what's causing this epidemic. But that little girl does. The children are returning home. The children are going back to their towns to show the people there what a real witch is capable of.